0: What's up, Atlanta? Yes, we are back. The Mouths of the South podcast right here on DirtySouthSoccer.com. com. Sam Franco along with you, and I am joined by someone. We'll get to that in a second. But first and foremost, you know, we, we have been on a little bit of a hiatus. Um, you know, Eric, myself have been, you know, extremely busy with our, uh, our day jobs, if you will. And, uh, you know, Eric The reason he's not here right now is he's in Montana uh, doing God knows what, Uh, hopefully uh, being an extra on Yellowstone or something, because that would be pretty cool uh, to see him pop up on Yellowstone or something like that. But anyway, uh, Eric not here today, but he's not going anywhere. He will be back. Uh, One, I guess, housekeeping note I do have is that uh, Josh Bagriansky, no longer uh, with the Mouths of the South podcast, very amicable split. Uh, obviously josh uh, with his coaching duties within our atlanta uh a little harder for him to kind of stay to a, a tighter schedule and uh that's something that you know obviously Eric and i uh want to do uh as credentialed atlanta united uh media members uh yes uh that that uh a development that happened uh, actually today so i'll be very excited to to be getting back into the press box but anyway um Josh just uh, n- not going to be, you know, a full-time or, or with the Mouse of the South anymore. We still hope to have Josh on from time to time, obviously. as he's-, he's been a big part of our show. Uh, and he won't be, you know, leaving Dirty South soccer or anything like that. You'll still catch his articles there. And, and I think from time to time, you know, him and Joe, uh, Patrick, are going to do some some audio stuff. Uh, as they've done, I think they, they were calling that, like, the c- crossover. So I don't even remember what they were calling it. But every once in a while, you get uh, Josh from Mouse of the South and Joe from Five Strive final. And, uh, they, they do some stuff together. And so that that's going to continue. And, and we hope to have Josh on, like I said, you know, any, uh, any chance he gets, you know, he, he's always got a place, uh, at the mouths of the South microphone, if you will, but just wanted to get that out of the way, obviously, uh, super appreciative and grateful for having Josh uh, as long as we did and for the, uh, the things he's done for for our podcast. And, and obviously just a tremendous, uh, you know, wealth of soccer knowledge. And, uh, you know, you'll still get that on Dirty South Soccer. So don't worry about that. And, uh, you know, this is one of those things, too. It's completely amicable split. Uh, you know, Josh realized that, you know, he couldn't put in the the time, I guess, commitment that, that you know, Eric and I are going to try to, you know, redo here on the Mouth of the South podcast. So uh, look for Josh again over at Dirty South Soccer. And, uh, you know, Josh is a friend of mine going way, way back all the way to our Druid Hills high school days. So um, again, very appreciative of him for, for being uh, on the Mouths of the South as long as he was, and, and you know, uh, looking forward to, you know, having him on hopefully from time to time and, and to continue to see his stuff on Dirty South Soccer. Anyway, now that all that's out of the way, I did just mention that I am joined by someone, and we didn't bring in a Huffy. We brought in a Schwinn. That is right, the oh. newest member of the Mouths of the South podcast Payson Inyo himself, the king of the dad joke, Payson Schwinn, it is a pleasure to have you joining the Mouths of the South. And uh cannot wait to see what this season brings us. But, you know, obviously you and I got to know each other in the early days of Atlanta United uh, covering the team, uh, you know, when you were doing some freelance stuff and, and I was uh, working in radio. And That's know, right. This- we
1: uh, I think we first met at Bobby Dodd. I think that's correct. Fox I was working. I was doing freelance for m l s soccer dot com the mothership before uh stamped, yeah yeah jones it, took it over Jones uh, took it took over it over that's the right. entire no i mean he took over the whole mothership he's writing their morning newsletter i mean he's he's doing it all over there so Yeah, but uh, I'm so happy to be here, and uh, we already got a Schwinn bicycle joke in, so that's good.
0: I I, I had to knock it out early. had to knock it out early, but uh, uh, we do, again, appreciate you uh, becoming uh, one of the mouths of the South, and uh, it's going to be super fun this season. It's going to be great uh, just, you know, talking Atlanta United, because that, first and foremost, is what we do here you know we, we get some other oh good oh good from time yeah, to time more, yeah that's good to hear
1: because uh <laughs> I know I know a little bit about Lenny United
0: not much yes though. yeah I'm right there with you so uh getting to getting to see what this team is going to do this year you know their, their their first full year under a new manager you know their their first year kind of outside of the shadow of, of Gabriel Heinze. Uh, and just everything that happened last season. I mean, last season was one of those where it was just such a cluster from the beginning. And for Atlanta United, you know, we talked about this a lot on this show, for them to be able to rally and be right in there, you know, at the end of the season, uh, you know, in the playoff race and all that stuff, uh, I don't think we thought this team was going to, like, make a super deep run in the playoffs or anything. But for them to finish the way they did – especially after the start of the season, was truly incredible. So it's going to be awesome to see, you know, what they can do with a a full season of, uh, you know, Gonzalo Pineda as the manager of this team.
1: Yeah, and just to go off that, I've been – it's been a while since I've been this excited for a season. And I think that's partly what you said there, with Valentino Pineda kind of turning things around. And then you have a full preseason under Pineda, and you have – you're not worried – I mean, obviously, I'd want to be in CONCACAF Champions League, but that kind of last year, kind of in the last couple of years, just falling out early, not getting that full preseason, having to worry about travel. It just seems like this season is set up a lot better for us, especially in the early early going, because last year's beginning to the season, going all the way through when Heinz wouldn't let them have water to the <laughs> point where I mean, he eventually got canned. That was a disaster. And I don't think any of us saw it coming, but wow, was it um, not great.
0: Yeah, I'll be the first to admit that I was very much on the Gabriel Einza train when he first uh, was hired as Atlanta United's manager. So was I. I mean, you know, granted, I'm a, I'm a Manchester United guy, so I, I have followed uh, Gabriel Einza's career for a long time. And just the prospect of having a manager who Sir Alex Ferguson once said would kick his own grandma Uh, you know, to, to, to win a game or whatever. Uh, It was, it was exciting. There's no question about it. You know, and I think again, like a lot of us um, really first got into soccer uh, thanks to, you know, not just the world cup, obviously the world cup's big, but you know, European soccer. I think most, you know, most guys that are like us that, you know, were soccer fans before Atlanta United came around it's because we had like a European team. We followed multiple European teams or whatever, and so that was the case with, with Gabriel Heinz just getting totally. this the superstar. You know, this is a guy who played for some of the biggest clubs in the world. I mean, you could rail him off, uh, you know, not just Manchester United but also Real Madrid, uh, and and a guy that's, that that again just had such a great reputation. And unfortunately, and it didn't I work loved him as
1: a player, and I you know I was hoping it would pan out as as a coach, but like a little like Frank de Boer, uh, great player, Oof. didn't necessarily work out here.
0: Yeah, so I, I like what Atlanta United has done with Gonzalo Pineda, a guy that, you know, wasn't this like big renowned world superstar at soccer who probably has a little bit of an ego to check. Uh I think we've definitely seen that with Frank Deborn, we've definitely seen that with Gabriel Heinza. So, I I think that that Pineda just right there, you know, more of a low profile kind of guy. I think that obviously helps. And Atlanta United, you know, for an off season that I think a lot of Atlanta United fans were looking forward to to see what would happen. This team certainly has not been quiet this offseason. I'll just, you know, rail off some of the things that have happened. Obviously, the sale of Ezekiel Barco was one that I think, you know, probably bittersweet would be the best way to describe it because I think that, you know, Barco had a lot of pressure on him. There's no question about it. For sure. And anytime you're asked to come in and fill the shoes of, you know, the best player in your club's history. And look, we all love Joseph Martinez. There's no doubt in my mind, Miguel Almiron is the best technical soccer player that has ever laced boots for Atlanta United. So, well,
1: and he, and he defined the style of play, you know, yeah. counter attack, attack, with speed. And Barco just wasn't that guy. I came to really love the way he played, especially this last season. Me too. But I, he, I, you I know, he was never an Almiron guy. No. And, and I think people expect him to be, and he wasn't. And you know, I I hope he finds, you know, a team more maybe more suited to his skills in, mm-hmm. in River. So yep. um, I'm I'm glad for his time in Atlanta. No ill will towards him at all, really.
0: No. And not um, the and European. I'm excited to see. Yeah. I was just getting, yeah, not the I'm, European move that he wanted, but right. River Plate is just as big of a profile for Europe. I would say as Atlanta United is. So I don't oh, think for sure, he'll,
1: and he'll get eyes. He'll get European yeah. scouts looking at him.
0: Hopefully, if he, if he can, you know, figure it out. And I think, again, I think a lot of, you know, pardon my French, but he got a lot of shit for, you know, probably undeserved reasons, I think, a lot of the time, you know. And yeah. especially with the – that guy was hacked a lot. Like, you know, he, he was, was fouled
1: down. all day. I mean, I, I don't have the stats in front of him, but he's one of the most fouled players, in, you know, in a lot of these games. Yeah. And MLS and he makes, makes he it hard. Pen- yeah, and if you don't have a referee, call, you know, throwing yellows out early and – kind of saying enough's enough. Mm-hmm. You know, That a kind of guy like Barco who absorbs – who likes to dribble, likes to get hit, and, you know, he falls down when he gets fouled, and <laughs> yeah. sometimes a ref calls it, sometimes he doesn't. They never give out yellow cards. So, yeah. you know, I feel for the guy.
0: Yeah, I do as well. And, and again, wish him nothing but the best at River Plate. I, I hope, you know, he gets – what he wants which is that big springboard to a European move and again like you said maybe he is in a better system that can highlight him more because you know (laughs) Miguel Almirons don't grow on trees so if you're trying to replace that with just one player and Atlanta United was very successful in replacing you know that production I think with multiple players like you could see like when, when it was like maybe Darlington Nagby picking up some of the slack in the deeper part of the midfield. And then you'd have, you know, that would get forward to the guys up top or whatever. Like that made it a lot easier. I think for the, for, for Atlanta United, when you're trying to put all of that pressure on one player, because look, Miguel Alameda could do it because he was a freak, like he could do all the yeah. things he wanted to do because he was a freak. So we, we really need to get away from trying to put all of that pressure and all of that onto one player, especially as young as a guy like Barco was. So hopefully, yeah, and and that's yeah,
1: that's partly again why I'm so optimistic. We've got that kind of three or four attacking players now, and you'll mention Almada in a second, Almada, mm-hmm. um, but just we've got Arujo, we got Joseph, hopefully back healthy, Almada, uh, Marino. I mean, we, all these guys hopefully can be a little interchangeable up top, and kind of provide the service Joseph needs, and also score some goals, uh, you know, in a way that maybe didn't happen as much under De Boer and Ainza. Uh, hopefully this, uh, we get a, a little bit more of a tagging threat uh, from those guys.
0: Yeah, and, I, and, and, you know, we'll get to the additions here in a second, but the other obviously big departure, uh, George Bellow, uh, that one was one that I think if you're an Atlanta United fan, like nobody wanted him to go. At least with Barco, there's probably like a split fan base there. Like, yeah, you can get rid of him or maybe we should keep him for another year or whatever. But mm-hmm. nobody wanted Bello to go. I think everybody understands and obviously hopes the best for him now that he's in the Bundesliga. He's going to be in a relegation fight. So I think that's really going to, you know, not just improve his odds of, like, making the World Cup team, but just sharpen his skill set as a player. You know, when when you're playing for something – so desperate as what he's going to be in in the situation and now in the Bundesliga. You know, he, he's definitely not at Bayern Munich, let put it that way. Um, yeah, I had never, honestly, I had never heard of that team, to
1: be honest. So yeah.
0: I'm right there with you. But I think that, you know, him going on is a good thing for U.S. soccer. It's one of those things where it's like him developing is going to be great for the national team. But for Atlanta United, it sucks that we lost one of our best players, especially at the back line, where which is so important. So Atlanta United being able to replace that is going to be very, very important, and, and, and how they do that is going to be big. But we can now jump to the uh, the additions that this team has made. And obviously the big one, Tiago Almada, as you said, um, you know, just one of these players that, again, I think a lot of people are going to fall into the trap of saying the next Miguel Almiron or the next this. It's like, we've got to get away from that. And we just need to let this kid be the first Thiago Almada. You know, he needs to be. Yeah, and, <laughs> and I,
1: I'm just thinking we've had uh, – Miguel was different. And same with Joseph. They just came into the league and started steamrolling. Yep. You know, it's a tough league to just jump in. I mean, look at. Pitti Martinez. I mean, you know. he's he's off somewhere in
0: Saudi Arabia now. I mean, they're just not insane. used to the physicality when they they're come into MLS. The they're physical, not
1: used to it. They, they either downplay it or they're not used to it. I mean, you should be in the Argentine Argentine league, but you know, I think people come here and expect maybe not. Don't expect the you know athleticism. They don't expect maybe a little bit more technical play than they're expecting from MLS. I guess but they get here and they, and it just, it's a, it's a little bit of a transition. So I'm, I'm going to give them a little bit of time, but mm-hmm. let's not expect Al Marone right
0: out of the gate. No, absolutely not. But, but, you know, you're getting a player, you know, very, very attack minded South American player, which is, you know, what Atlanta United fans are used to at this point, you know, you go out and you see a team like Chicago bringing in a uh, Zerdan Chakiri, which I think could be maybe the signing of the off season, but, That's not what Atlanta United does. The Swiss block, yeah. They've never been that. They're not going to go out and make that splash. Like, I I think I even tweeted when I saw that Shaqiri was negotiating to come to MLS. I was like, it ain't going to be Atlanta United, but I wish it was because this guy Mm. is really good. And we've seen him play at the highest level and score at the highest levels. And I think those intangibles are very important because you get a player like a Pitti Martinez or a Barco – who has played in, in, you know, pretty big levels in, you know, Argentina and, and done things and, and, and you know, I mean, shoot, we talk about how, and I still don't know how this happened, but Pity Martinez was, you know, the South American player of the year, the year before yeah. he came to Atlanta United. So um, <laughs> it's not like these guys don't have that experience, but I think, you know, Champions League and like European and like World Cup experience, like Zeradon Shakiri has, is like a whole nother level. But that's another discussion. For yeah, another it's a day. whole nother
1: level. You, you love to have that experience. But honestly, you know, I love a guy – like Almarone just came here wanting to prove himself. Yeah, you know, I think that's need that. part of the motivation. You know, wanting to get a move and everything, but also you know, being young and and hungry and wanting to uh, attack and and run his balls off uh, is uh, <laughs> is part of what being that young player is all about. Versus maybe a a Shakiri, but I'm I'm excited for you know they've. The front office did a great job in the offseason, I think. because Agreed. A lot of us were like, what is going on? What? No signings. Yeah. You know, snooze fest. But I think it was all a holding pattern, yeah. um, you know, waiting for this Almada stuff to, to kind of resolve itself. Yeah, they and knew who they wanted. That happened? That's the
0: thing. Yeah. yeah. They knew who they wanted. And, you know, we have been at times critical of the front office, I think, just like any Atlanta United fan, you know, has been. Um, But, yeah, this offseason, I don't think you can really uh, say too much negative about what's happened. So you just got to hope that, you know, this team can kind of hit the ground running and and have a really good season. But I I think Almada is obviously going to be a huge part of that. I think someone that, you know, depending on how this trial goes, I think Dom Dwyer could end up playing a pretty big role for Atlanta United. Because this is one thing that we've talked about ad nauseum here on the show it can't just be Joseph. Like, for the entire right. MLS season, you can't just have one striker. I mean, I think it worked to a degree in 2018. You did have Tito Vijalba there to kind of come in and spell Joseph from time to time when you needed right. it. But you still didn't really have that like-for-like, straight-up attacking option. I think Dwyer is probably about as close as you've gotten to – I mean, obviously you've had guys like, you know, Kubo Torres. Uh you know, you've had guys like um, Kenwin Jones <laughs> who yeah. have come in. These
1: guys, it's funny you mentioned those two because they were – I remember both signings and I thought, well, you know what? Good veteran signing.
0: Kenwin can score goals, uh, man.
1: <laughs> yeah, he can score goals. They're physical, uh, not necessarily Kubo, but, you know, they, they've they had experience uh, scoring goals. They can come in in the final minutes. But they were kind of washed. They were. <laughs> And I wonder cuz I actually loved I love Dom Dwyer as a player when he was when he was scoring and doing well but I wonder if he's washed. We'll have to wait and see how That's the thing.
0: Him. You know, it's a trial. So you would think that, you know, with a guy like with the reputation of a Dom Dwyer, you would think you wouldn't need to bring him in on a trial. You know, you'd think, yeah. but the, that that is what worries me. But if he's not washed, he could be a huge asset. And I know that a lot of Atlanta United fans, I think you and I and Eric were talking about this the other day, but it's like, what's with all the hate for the Dom Dwyer thing? And it's like, it's, he played for Orlando. That's yeah, the only the reason. Day. That's literally the but only But, I, I mean, I
1: said it at the time. I don't care. Yeah, I hated him when he <laughs> played for Orlando. But if he comes over to us, I'm going to – I'll ride or die.
0: Yeah, it's, it's know, like Breck Shea, I'll,
1: man. <laughs> I'll be – same with Breck Shea. That guy's a loon until he joins your team, you know. And then he's, uh, he's beloved Breck Shea and all his weird things you love about him. But, you know, I think Dom Dwyer would be, I think, be a good signing, especially if you need some, um, you know, depth for these. Yeah. For the U.S. Open Cup, which is back on, I think. And some of these but other, we'll you know. Games. <laughs> yeah. And Joseph will need a break. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I still don't know about his need holding up all those games. they are going to have to give him some breaks here and then. And that's the hold thing. Him. You He's have hold to hold have
0: on. someone. You've got to have someone that can spell Joseph when he needs rest. And you haven't right. really had that. You haven't, you, you, you've tried a bunch of different, you know, combinations of things to try to fix that issue, and you haven't done it yet. So, I, have well, no at problem. the very
1: least, take Joseph out, let him get a little angry, but you're just putting in Dwyer to waste some time the last five minutes.
0: Yeah, you know, absolutely.
1: You can do that too. And that's the thing.
0: Yeah, it, it, you, you need, you know, squad depth is so important unfortunately with MLS and, and the arcane roster rules that the league has that they needed to ditch probably five years ago. Uh, but for some reason they still haven't, I think, you know, maybe Don Garber just yeah. likes, you know, having all the power. Um, <laughs>
1: just like some more, make them more complicated.
0: So. Yeah, exactly. I, you know, the, the, we could, you know, spend hours talking about the ins and outs of, of MLS and, and why they own the player contracts and all that stuff. But in a league where you can't just necessarily splash the cash to fix a problem. Although don't tell that to Atlanta United because what now we have I the know. three or four most expensive transfers in the it's league, it's a weird position already. to
1: be in <laughs> as an Atlanta fan. You know what I mean? Like we're the We've e- never been spending. the team
0: that like splashes the cash, like in terms of no. like, you know, the Braves or the Hawks or the Falcons. It, when it comes to big time free agents, it just hasn't been a destination because no. other places just pay more. But when it comes to MLS, there is no team that has proven to be willing to splash the cash quite like Atlanta United. But that's all for, like, DPs. Like, that doesn't help yeah. you when you're trying to fill out the rest of the roster because you have to fit within that, you know, salary cap and, and, and everything that is so weird about MLS as a league. So exactly. a guy like Dom Dwyer, of- I think, is, is is a perfect fit if, like you said, he's not washed because he's not going to cost a lot of money. He knows how to play in this league. He knows how to score goals in this league. So, you know, if you can get him to be Joseph's backup, I, I think that's about as good as you can hope for. Totally. And,
1: uh, you know, I, they may be looking for someone else to add in that spot, but if he works out, that, that'd that be great, because we need a little bit of depth in striker. But I was going to say the thing that impressed me about the front office, this is a move, like, like take with the Bellows stuff. They knew they were going to have to move him on eventually. So they bring in Gutmann Mm -hmm. and then they loan him out to Red Bull and then he's right there to bring back. And there there you have a serviceable left back who I think is going to be pretty good this year. So they planned and they're actually bringing in a quality player and you have backup pieces like Mikey Ambrose um, when you need him. The last Boy Scout, he's still here.
0: Yeah, and you know, I'll say I have gotten to watch this team once in preseason. Uh, again, big shout out to Atlanta United for giving me the privilege of uh, PA announcing this. Thanks, the, thanks for the shoddy stream that. 35 minutes late but hey
1: it's all
0: good hey that was pacing not me Uh, uh, no I I got I got to watch the team and PA announce uh at their game uh oh that's
1: right congrats Uh, the one in Athens right
0: yes yes uh I do I'm the PA announcer for Georgia soccer so I think they were just like uh yeah just get the guy that normally does it so I was lucky enough to be the guy that normally does it um and yeah no it was it was it was a fun game um you know, it was a raucous crowd. I mean, you know, that, that stadium holds about 1,800 people. And uh, there was yeah. probably 1,801 uh, people at that stadium. It was rocking. So, it was, it was a fun day. You know Atlanta United fans are, are batshit crazy and are going to go wherever they have to go to watch this team. And I say batshit yeah, crazy. Yeah, you're going to go. The absolute best and lovingest way possible because I love all you psychos. Um, We're
1: going to, yeah, exhibition games. I Unfortunately, I can't go to Birmingham this year. I went uh, – to the one right before the pandemic hit, and it was awesome. I really mm-hmm. go check out Birmingham, everybody. It, it was a it's a cool uh, stadium, cool little city. But um, check it out; it's a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, one of my first international soccer games ever, like in person, was USA Ecuador in a friendly at Legion Field. Back in like, oh. golly, what was this? This was like 2001 or 2002, and that's that's when soccer was just huge. In the oh yeah, <laughs> especially in Back Birmingham, when... Alabama. You know, <laughs> like man, yeah, it was it was an interesting day to say the least. But um, no, I, obviously, anytime you can go and watch your team, you know, play anywhere, like you know, this podcast, um, one of our first like big like on assignment things or whatever was going to the uh, Charleston Battery Stadium and watching uh, Andrew Carlton kind of make his, you know, not Atlanta United debut, but, you know, he played for the Charleston Battery because the team hadn't started playing Mm. games yet. Um, (laughs) That takes me back right there. It's like, oh, yeah, when we thought Andrew Carlton was going to be the future (laughs) of the franchise. Yeah, Uh, it
1: feels like a long time ago.
0: uh, Yeah, you can say that again. Um, (laughs) But, uh, you know, I I think that anytime you can go watch your team play on the road, and I'm hoping – uh, to get to some road MLS matchups this year. Uh, there's lots of stadiums I want to check out. Obviously, um, you know, one of the best soccer stadiums in this country is up in, uh, you know, New York. And I'm talking about Yankee Stadium, of course. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, but in all seriousness. No, I
1: might actually go to that game. Uh, and... Oh, my God. I... Only because, you know, I think it's July 4th, get, get up to New York City. And finally, see this disaster of a uh, situation. Yeah,
0: again. it's one of those things where it's like a uh, you know, it's a car wreck. You can't turn your uh, turn your head away from it. And I want to see how small that field really is. I, it I've I beat this horse to death, but it, it's, it's such <laughs> yeah, a, it's, we'll beat it again. It's such a joke that the league allows that to be an actual stadium that that a, a team plays in because it I mean you know, again, we can, we can talk about that if the cows come home and I'm sure Payson, will get you on, on the soapbox plenty uh, as you are yeah. uh, now our, our newest so member me here it. on the Mouth of the South podcast. But no, <laughs> I mean, there's, there's a lot of different venues I want to see in MLS Providence Park, probably number one on that list. I'm still shocked. For sure. I'm still shocked New York was able to go into Providence Park and win MLS Cup like that. That so was, well. that was yeah. shocking to me. Um But you know, MLS is lucky that that game didn't have to be at Yankee Stadium because – That would have been a total disaster for the league. Well, I mean, it's just one of those (laughs) things. Your biggest game of the season, like everybody around the world already makes fun of you. I mean, you've got Manchester United players calling Chris Armis Ted Lasso. Like that is – that's the viewpoint that the rest of the world has of U.S. soccer. And you're going to play your league championship on a, you know, glorified seven-a-side field. Like it's with, a, it's with a
1: mound still e- evident in the middle. I mean, yeah. Right. yeah. Would, like if you're watching that from England, yeah, I mean, wow. yeah, exactly. It, it's fitting all the stereotypes.
0: Yes. So hopefully, uh, you know, the MLS needs to figure that situation out. But anyway, uh, just too many great stadiums in this country, especially the soccer specific ones are being built. Austin. That one looks amazing. Uh, what is it? Austin. Uh, the, the, the bank out in LA where uh, LAFC plays. Oh, LAFC. Plays, so I got to get out there. Super nice. So, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Anytime. Minnesota,
1: all these great, yeah. all these great stadiums.
0: Anytime you can go and, and catch your team on the road, you got to do it. And look, I love uh, Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Don't get me wrong. I think it's the greatest oh, yeah. multi-purpose stadium in the world. You know, I, I and I've been to, I've been to plenty. Um, and I will just say that Atlanta United Stadium, Mercedes-Benz Stadium, just, So many different levels ahead. I mean, obviously, it's not a grass field, and a lot of people complain about that, but they will have grass on the field for the World Cup game there, or games. Hopefully, it's a semifinal, but we we will see what happens there. Wait, wait.
1: Did you say greatest multi-purpose stadium in the world? Yes. What about Atlanta-Fulton County Stadium?
0: That was the greatest. No. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, the Beatles did play there. So, I mean, they got that going for it, which is nice.
1: Yeah, I mean, the the Benz is incredible. I mean, it's probably the most – amazing luxurious place i've ever seen a game
0: yeah but that but doesn't you, mean there you, aren't those, other good stadiums and, and yeah, especially but, soccer know, I specific the, ones yeah
1: exactly soccer specific even you know even the new columbus one i want to i just want to see all these places um eventually and see atlanta united win in all the columbus
0: places. just takes me back to earlier this season when they tried to change their name <laughs> oh man mls gonna mls and that was one of the biggest uh cases of it well I guess uh, that can about wrap up our, uh, our debut episode here, Payson. I know that, you know, we've got a full season ahead of us. We very much look forward to having you on. And uh, Eric will be back, hopefully, from Montana. Hopefully, he doesn't get, like, you know, you know out in Montana. It feels like anything could happen to you. Uh, you know, yeah, I, I mean,
1: I, Yellowstone, just going off that show, what I've seen of it, I mean, he's got to be careful out there.
0: Well, and I caught a first, like, I, I, for some reason, like, last year, I think this is probably just pandemic fever of trying to find something to watch. But you know that ABC show Big Sky? Um, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I watched, like, the first five episodes of that. And, like, just watching that, I'm like, dude, I don't think I want to. I mean, I want to go to Yellowstone Park. My dad has, talked, has been there a few times talking about how beautiful it is. But I don't know if I want to go to Montana for a whole lot of other reasons than that. Just go
1: see the parks, go see that natural beauty, and stay away from dudes with cowboy hats who look menacing.
0: Exactly, exactly. Uh, You know, one thing that, you know, we obviously like to do around here um, is we kind of like to, I guess, get away from Atlanta United towards the end and just kind of maybe talk about a bigger, like, soccer topic or something, like, bigger that's happening, uh, you know, in in the world of soccer. And, you know, (laughs) I just got to say, man, I was – I've been following this, this you know, World Cup expansion talk pretty, you know, handily. Mm-hmm. And it just, it just bothers me so much that, that you hear, like, the line of thinking, like, coming from FIFA and everything on this. And, like, the one thing that I've seen about it, it's like they're trying to – basically they want the World Cup to be every two years. But, like, the rule or whatever that they want to institute is that if you played in the one, like, that was – like, you played in the most recent one, two years later, you you can't play in that one. So, like, all you're doing – I heard that part. I think think that's, like, one of the things they're trying to push so that that – Sounds sounds like a crazy FIFA idea. But it's like you're going to call it – you're going to call all of these tournaments a World Cup when you're de facto turning it into a, like, World Cup A and, like, a World Cup D, you know? Like, you're going to have, like, the fledgling nations, and I'm sure they'll have some sort of, like – promotion system to where if you like win or finish within a certain level of like the B grade World Cup that you might get into the next one but like I, I don't need it just it's just ridiculous that it's ridiculous you would and take- you know
1: I think uh I was listening to T.R.A. Henry like he talked about this on the Galazzo show or something and he was saying it's so special because these players they you know they may play 12 seasons, but they may only make two World Cups, and that's what makes it so special. They may make one World Cup.
0: Exactly. And
1: to have it every two years and kind of dilute it, and, you know, I'm not, like, stuck on four years necessarily, but that's the way it's been. That's the way it should always be. And just have it come around every so often so players, it's like a -a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity.
0: The problem here for me is, and I don't want to sound like, you know, not – sympathetic or empathetic to smaller countries or whatever but you know this is something that i was always taught as a kid like you know life's not fair you know you have to accept that you have to you know just try your best all the time and you know unfortunately sometimes you're just not going to get the breaks um and that's how kind of how i feel about the world cup you know it's like you shouldn't just be handing people the world like i don't want like a sixty team world cup like i don 't want like a super expanded world cup you know thirty two teams is great i don 't think yeah. you need to go any more than that
1: well and that 's the final i mean that 's the thing too there is they're in a world cup the qualifying stages if they want exactly. to they can get through those qualifying stages and maybe open it up to a few more slots, especially maybe in, a few more
0: yeah
1: yeah in the, in the regions that have a, a ton of countries and it's really hard to qualify but um yeah, making it every two years is not the solution to that.
0: No, absolutely not. You're gonna, you're gonna. I think we're in total agreement. Product.
1: You're not gonna get me talking FIFA nonsense. It, and this is just a, yet another crazy money grab. You know, it, it's like we got Super League, we got World Cup every two years. Next, we'll have some crazy, <laughs> like uh, insanity coming from Infantino again.
0: You oh know, God. Infantino. You know, we thought, I mean, we we thought, we're having
1: a freaking world cup in the winter. I mean, <laughs> for goodness sake,
0: we thought set bladder uh, was the worst of it. And then Infantino comes in like at least Seth bladder wasn't trying to like fundamentally change the game. Like it seems like Infantino is, but it seems like a lot of people are. Oh, he was
1: just corrupt as hell and all that. But exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I, it, yeah. Thank you for saying that because it almost sounded like I was trying to defend Seth Bladder there, which is not something. No,
1: but you're funny. That I was like, oh, I can't wait to see what this guy does. Hopefully, he'll turn things. No, he did
0: not. No. It's, nope. <laughs> it's a bad FIFA idea after a bad idea. You just got to expect what to expect from FIFA. Well, uh, that'll about wrap up this edition of the Mouth of the South podcast. Again, super pumped. That uh, the Mouths of the South are now a Sam Franco, Eric Quintana, and Payson Schwinn. So, Payson. Yeah, that
1: is my real name. Yes. It's not
0: Payson. <laughs> but uh, so uh, but I will by, call uh, you that from time to time. Don't, don't. The name my mama gave me.
1: I'm going by that now.
0: I'm going to give you the floor here, man. Just, uh, you know, tell Atlanta United fans what uh, you hope to accomplish here as a member of the Mouth of the South.
1: I hope to bring tactical expertise no uh just you know a little lighthearted uh talk kind of mix it up with these uh two guys and, and hopefully bring a little more entertainment uh and stupidity to the podcast that's what oh, uh, i love what it i try to do
0: absolutely love it all right i'm sam franco he is Payson schwinn eric will be back with us hopefully next week hopefully he isn't you know taken out by a bear or something no. like that out in montana um and yeah we'll yeah exactly and uh you know Apologies for no fancy intro or outro uh, to this show. We kind of need to make a new one, so we will uh, we'll get on that. And uh, we will, uh, you know, have, have a lot more coming this year. I, I will say that. The one thing I want to say in terms of, you know, commitment to Atlanta United fans is that this podcast, I think, you know, during COVID and last season, we were nowhere near as committed as we needed to be. So, and I say, we're, during back. COVID, we're back, baby. I, I say during COVID, I say it like, a new know, guy it's not still going on. Thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, exactly. Payson, you're going to help us out. We're going to stick to more of a, a straight schedule again, Eric and I seemingly are both credentialed by Atlanta United this year. So hopefully that's going to mean, you know, uh, presser sound on this podcast and all that good stuff. So uh, very much looking forward to, to getting back to it and, and getting back to what we love, which is, talking Atlanta United and talking this team, covering this team, and just uh, you know, interacting with all you guys, all, all you psychos I'm looking, out there. Man. I'm looking forward to this
1: season. I'm looking forward to the first angry podcast we have after a oh, disappointing loss. You got to
0: love a good angry It'll show. Happen once, uh, Hopefully not more than that. Uh, all right. Yeah. Again, uh, he's pacing Schwinn. I'm Sam Franco. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Mouths of the South podcast right here on DirtySouthSoccer.com. And we'll be back soon with another exciting edition of the Mouths of the South podcast right here on DirtySouthSoccer.com.